0: So our second reading is Psalm 137, the entire psalm. The beginning will most likely be very familiar to, to you, especially if you're a fan of uh, reggae music, um, or even if you just know your psalms pretty well. But the last two verses, which are now included in the revised common lectionary, they may come as something of a shock. I almost feel I should offer the warning not suitable for the tender of heart. But here it is in its entirety. Listen now for God's word from Holy Scripture. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, and there we wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there we hung up our harps, For there our captors asked us for songs, and our tormentors asked for mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand wither. Let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites, the day of Jerusalem's fall, how they said, tear it down, tear it down, down to its foundations. O daughter Babylon, you devastator, happy shall they be, who pay you back what you have done to us. Happy shall they be who take your little ones and dash them against the rock. This is the word of the Lord. Those last lines come as quite a shock. It's hard to think of any harsher, crueler wish for revenge than the desire for the violent death of little innocent babies. Yet here it is, as part of our scripture for the day. It's absolutely raw, unfiltered emotion, the harshest emotions, feelings of hatred and anger in a psalm a song of worship of our God and the God of the Hebrew people. The Psalms are a part of the Old Testament considered to be the wisdom literature, so-called because these books are supposed to teach us how to live well close to the divine. Other books in this tradition are Job, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Proverbs, The psalms are also in some way the ancient equivalent of our modern-day hymnals. They were songs that were treasured and loved and used over and over in worship rituals, much as we sing our favorite hymns in praise and honor of God. Both the psalms and our modern-day hymns are the formalizing of our desire to approach God In worship, in thanksgiving, in prayer, and in many different kinds of emotional states, some more attractive than others. Because the same words are used over and over in worship and praise, they hold on to and carry our thoughts and our feelings about and towards God. In times when we find it hard to pray or praise, we may turn to a favorite hymn or psalm that speaks for us. Or in singing a particular hymn or speaking a beloved psalm, we may find ourselves living once again in that particular emotional place of love or grief or wonder. The book of Psalms is probably the most turned-to book of the Old Testament, offering us solace and comfort in difficult times of our lives. Indeed, there are a number of abbreviated versions of the Bible that contain just the New Testament and the Psalms. Somehow, these ancient verses continue to touch and to express our humanity and our relationship to our God in a way that is sometimes harder to pin down in other biblical texts? Is it because the emotions are expressed in poetry, in carefully distilled language that says so much in just a few words? By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, and there we wept when we remembered Zion. How evocative this verse is. If you've ever traveled far away from your home, not knowing when you will return, I know you've experienced this very emotion. There are songs about England and Scotland and Ireland that can have me in floods of tears when I hear them or sing them. How much more so this must be true for a people who can never return to their homeland. Two highly re- regarded theologians both write that Christians would gain much by praying the Psalms. They are Thomas Merton from the Catholic tradition and our own Presbyterian minister Eugene Peterson who, by the way, is the translator of the Message version of the Bible, and he's written, um, within the last few years, a a wonderful book um, called The Pastor. Both feel that the Psalms should become an integral part of our daily prayer life, and that by including a daily reading of the Psalms, we will come closer to the heart of God but they must be read prayerfully. We must be in a frame of mind, an attitude of the heart, where we will open ourselves to God's Word. Do you ever find that your prayers sometimes become almost routine, a little too methodical? This happens to all of us, and it's okay. We need to offer up our prayers even when it seems our heart is hardly in our prayerfulness. Sometimes, the very words of our prayers themselves will turn our hearts to the Lord, will turn us away from the busyness and the frustrations of the day. Sometimes, sometimes not, but at least we are trying. With the Psalms, though, There is poetry, rhythm, and evocative language that may stop us in our tracks. On the willows there, we hung up our harps. For there our captors asked us for songs, and our tormentors asked us for mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How could we? Sing the Lord's song in a foreign land. The Psalms are there for us, ready-made prayers, as it were, to take our feelings, ourselves, to God. When words of prayer won't come to us, the Psalms are there in all their beauty with their carefully chosen words that express the feelings of their original author, but also touch our own feelings so many, many years later. What a marvel of expression this is, to be able to reach across three millennia and to reach across languages and touch the heart of another human being in this way. What divine inspiration must have guided the writers of these songs. How wonderful that we can tap into the experience and emotions of people who lived so long ago, but felt just like we do about so many circumstances. I think we're not surprised to find love, worship, praise, Adoration, sorrow, and grief in our Psalms. It feels right to bring these to God. These emotions are here in Psalm 137 and beautifully expressed. But how should we think about those last two verses? Or about the verses near the end of what is perhaps my favorite psalm, Psalm 139, that beautiful psalm about God's love for and knowledge of each one of us so deeply, so individually. Those last verses are, Oh, that you would kill the wicked, O God, and that the bloodthirsty would depart from me. Those who speak of you maliciously and lift themselves up against you for evil, Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? Here, piercing the ancient beauty of our beloved psalms, come hatred, loathing, deep, soul-rending anger. How can these, our most unattractive feelings, have any place in our worship life? What do we do with these lines when we read this psalm? Do we discount this part, as was the tendency for so many years, as too difficult to accept, thinking that the ancients may have dealt with such feelings, but surely not Christians today? This is what Eugene Peterson, in his book, Answering God, the Psalms as tools for prayer, says about these verses. And I'm quoting from page 98 in this book. This is raw hate. Nothing in the preceding lines in Psalm 137 has prepared us for this. This is a can of black spray paint, defacing a memorial in white marble. Who let this in our prayer book? And hadn't we better get it out? A lot of people think so. In edition after edition of prayer books, hymn books, and worship books that are based on the Psalms, we find this stanza excised. These psalmectomies are well-intentioned, no doubt, but wrong-headed all the same. They are wrong-headed Because our hate needs to be prayed, not suppressed. Hate is our emotional link with the spirituality of evil. It is the volcanic eruption of outrage when the holiness of being, ours or another's, has been violated. It is also the ugliest and most dangerous of our emotions, the hair trigger on a loaded gun. Embarrassed by the ugliness and fearful of the murderous, we commonly neither admit or pray our hate. We deny it and suppress it. But if it is not admitted, it can quickly and easily metamorphose into the evil that provokes it. And if it is not we have lost an essential insight and energy in doing battle with evil. A little later in this passage, Peterson writes, Hate is often the first sign that we care. After we express the evil in life, we may be motivated to speak out against it to stand up against the injustices done to the dispossessed, the oppressed peoples. So, yes, let us be shocked by such raw emotions, but let's not exclude it from our understanding. Praying about such difficult emotions may be what ultimately keeps us from acting on them. Thomas Merton writes that the tremendous impact of the psalms is buried at a very deep spiritual level and that we must pray on that level in order to feel it at all. There's an approach to reading scripture called Lectio Divina. And um, you should have received a little bookmarker, a little flyer with your bulletin. If not, we probably have some more at the back there. Um, that tells you a little bit about Lectio Divina, which simply means divine reading in Latin. It's a way to delve deeply into a passage or a verse of scripture by reading it over several times and searching for parts that speak deeply to our souls. There are four steps First, we read the text slowly, perhaps several times, and focus on a word or a phrase that seems especially meaningful. Secondly, we listen for God's word to us as we read again. Third, we pray, not intercessory prayer, where we ask God for something, but simply we try to be in conversation with God, with the Holy Spirit. Fourth and lastly, we rest and reflect, turning towards God's purpose for us for the day. If you find it helpful, you can write down your thoughts and insights each time you practice this divine reading. So I'd like to ask you if you'd consider daily reading of the psalms between now and the season of advent. I will join you in this journey. It may serve to keep us connected while I'm traveling for the next three weeks and also beyond that time. I believe it will offer you new ways of seeing the psalms. Since there are 150 of them, We won't get through them all. And it's okay to skip around if you like. There's no need to be overly methodical. You can keep the little bookmarker right there in the Psalms in your Bible and use those steps if that's something that you find helpful. And if you would like to do this and be in communication with me about your reading, Please feel free to email me at any time. We'll have email access most of the time we're traveling. If you do keep a journal, though, that's for you and for God, so you can write down anything you like in it. Remember the raw emotions of Psalm 137. Nothing is beyond what God can hear and understand, and forgive. For we are God's children, every part of us, even the unattractive parts, and God never, never ceases to love us. Amen. Let us sing our communion hymn, Hymn 513. Let us break bread together. We'll sing all three verses. Thank you. This is the joyful feast of the people of God. They will come from east and west and from north and south to sit at table in the kingdom of God. According to Luke, when our risen Lord was at table with his disciples, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. This is the Lord's table. Our Savior invites all those who trust in Him to share the feast which He has prepared. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God.
1: It is right.
0: It is truly right and our greatest joy to give you thanks and praise, O Lord our God, creator and ruler of the universe. In your wisdom you made all things and sustained them by your power. You formed us in your image, setting us in this world to love and to serve you and to live in peace with your whole creation. When we rebelled against you, refusing to trust and obey you, You did not reject us, but still claimed us as your own. You sent prophets to call us back to your way. Then in the fullness of time, out of your great love for the world, you sent your only Son to be one of us, to redeem us and heal our brokenness. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with choirs of angels, with prophets, apostles, and martyrs, and with the faithful of every time and place who forever sing to the glory of your name, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You are holy. O God of majesty, and blessed is Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. In Jesus, born of Mary, your word became flesh, and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. He lived as one of us, knowing joy and sorrow. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, opened blind eyes, broke bread with outcasts and sinners, and proclaimed the good news of your kingdom to the poor and needy. Dying on the cross, he gave himself for the life of the world. Rising from the grave, he won for us victory over death. Seated at your right hand, he leads us to eternal life. We praise you that Christ now reigns with you in glory and will come again to make all things new. (coughs) Remembering your gracious acts in Jesus Christ, We take from your creation this bread and this wine and joyfully celebrate his dying and rising as we await the day of his coming. With thanksgiving, we offer our very selves to you to be a living and holy sacrifice dedicated to your service. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ Christ is is risen. risen. Christ will come again. The Lord Jesus, on the night of his arrest, took bread and, after giving thanks to God, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body, given for you. Take, eat, and do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Every time you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you remember the saving death of our Lord Jesus Christ until he comes. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. We ask that you hold the bread and the cup until all are served. Um, and then we will, take the, we will take the bread together and we will take the cup together. Um. Christ, um, um. Our final hymn is number four hundred and sixty seven, How Great Thou Art, and we will sing just verses one and two of this hymn.